Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, hello, wherever and whenever you are, and welcome to Ink and Ash. And I'm just going to come out here at the beginning of the show and say, you haven't heard from me for a while. This is not news to anybody. It's the elephant in the room. We're just going to address it. Uh, there's been a lot going on over here, and I'm not going to get into all that right now. Suffice it to say, uh, the family and I are in the middle of moving. We're moving from Delaware to North Carolina. I got a new job. I've been down here for about a month. Uh, I'm in a hotel right now, as you can probably tell by the sound background that is not quite what it usually is. But all that is beside the point, and I'll get into it a little bit more on a future episode, but not today. Today... I'm going to play for you last year's live stream for the Cure segment in which I read Beyond the Wall of Sleep by H.P. Lovecraft and also had Spicy Wings at the same time. So this is actually so that you get kind of a taste for what's coming up this Saturday because I'm going to be doing live stream for the Cure again this Saturday and I'll have... A slightly different lineup of hot sauces. I'm going to be doing the Hot Ones panel from the most recent season, and I'll be narrating a Rolled Doll short story, The Landlady, and you're not going to want to miss that one. And I'm going to explain to you a little bit how it works here. It's going to be similar to last year. For every $50 that's donated, I will have another wing, and I will work my way up the hot sauce ladder, if you will, until I get to the top and. If people continue to donate after that, then I'll continue to have more hot, spicy wings and try to continue to narrate stories after eating said wings. And it is as challenging as it sounds. So, uh, but it's also a good time and it's for a good cause for the Cancer Research Institute. And that is this Saturday at 9 p.m. Now, when you get this episode, live stream for the cure is already going to be live. So you should be checking it out already. But I'm going to play for you my good friend Nick Haskins telling you about how all this works and what it's all for. And right after that, we're going to go straight into the segment from last year. Now, remember, if you want to see this year's segment, 9 p.m. Eastern, Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, Saturday night. And you don't have to donate 50 bucks. You don't have to donate at all for every really for every $50 increment that is donated. You know, that's whether that's ten, five dollar donations or whatever the case may be, right? That's when I'll eat the wings. And even if you can't, if you're not in a position to donate, don't worry about it. Just come on and check out the show. Every set of eyeballs that is on the show will help to boost it in the algorithm and get more people in front of the screen so that we can raise more money for the Cancer Research Institute. And again, before we get into last year's segment, here is my good friend and organizer, of Livestream for the Cure for the seventh year, the seventh year, Nick Haskins. And after Nick, we're going to go straight into the segment, and that'll be the end of this episode. You're going to be hearing from me sporadically for the next little bit. And this does not mean that season four is stopping, nothing like that. It's just a matter of, you know, I'm going to be in and out of a hotel here for the next couple of months. I'm going to try and get some episodes posted. I have a Conan episode that's just about ready to go. I just haven't been able to get the finishing touches on it. But that will be dropping uh, pretty soon. And you'll be hearing it soon. And I'll give you more of a life update at that point And what to kind of expect for the next little while. While my uh, life is in a little bit of flux. You know? But 
Anyway, enough about me. You're here for the story, and you're going to get the story, and you're going to get a little bit more. And if you want to see video of this event, mind you, I'm going to go ahead and post this video on YouTube on the Ink and Ash channel on YouTube. So it's probably better if you can see the video. And if you want to see some other live stream for the Cure segments from past years, you can go to the live stream for the Cure YouTube channel. And again, for this particular segment, go to youtube.com slash at ink and ash pod and you'll find it there all right enough from me nick tell us about live stream for the cure i'll see you on saturday night everybody the seventh annual live stream for the cure is almost here and i hear you asking if you're hearing my voice what is the live stream for the cure and who are you well i'm nick i'm the host of the event every single year and we're a streaming telethon of sorts where podcasters and content creators from around the world come together every single may to help us raise money for the cancer research institute 100 of our proceeds go to immunotherapy research to a world immune to cancer and this year i'm even more thrilled that we're going to be taking part in the cancer research institute's crush cancer event Join me starting May 17th for a special kickoff event and then tune in May 18th through the 20th for dozens of amazing guests from around the world putting on tons of fun content all to raise money for cancer research. To learn more or make an early donation, please visit LivestreamForTheCure.com. Together, we can make a difference. Mr. Sean Ennis. Get him in here. The Velvet Drizzle. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, gentlemen. I will see you on the other side. I Brad, love you, dude. I Drew, love you. you. Drew. Drew Hallam, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, show some love for Drew Hallam in the chat. One of the most incredible people I've ever met in my life. Drew Hallam yeah. is an amazing dude. Thank you, Drew. Drew Hallam is awesome. And you, I can't wait to see that picture uh, the, the of The way Gerald to show Drew him. love is to use that one emote. <laughs> yeah. Blast it out there. Blast it out there. The, the picture will definitely go above my fireplace because I'm going to take the picture and I'm going to blow it up to poster size. Oh, my God. I love it. And it's it. going to go above my fireplace. And wow. personally, personally, again, I want to thank Dan for carrying the weight of uh, Moonshine this year. Yeah, and, uh, for sure. I, 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 will, I will promise no, that. Stop saying good Moon, things. You take Moonshine care. We'll be back next year. You take care of right, you, brother. my brother. You are an absolute goddamn treasure. You take good care of you, my friend. So, I ladies and gentlemen, They're live stream for the cure. We hit the goal. We hit the goal, but we are not done yet. Let us blow him up on the screen, ladies and gentlemen, because everybody should only see the absolute beautiful sexiness that is the velvet drizzle, ladies and gentlemen. And, Sean, I haven't told you about this, so you don't know I, about this. I know you got something cooking over there. But I know that you are planning to do something spicy but I, my friend, am going to join you in your pain. So tell us well, what you got planned. See, the thing is, I had this idea. And then I saw in the last segment that we hit the goal. So I was like, great. No need to worry about that. I'll read some <laughs> stories. Everybody goes home happy. We're all good to go, right? Is that is that what? No? Okay. No? So, oh. <laughs> all right. Uh, so what I have planned today is I have a few stories by H.P. Lovecraft. And um, by the way, if you if you don't know the show, uh, uh I'm, I'm Sean from Aiken Ash. I, I uh, narrate short stories on my show. So I've got some stories by H.B. Lovecraft today. And uh, what I'll be doing is um, I'll be narrating those stories. But in between, uh, I've got a couple of breaks planned in, uh, in the middle of the stories and in between stories where uh, if you uh, donate, I'm going to say for every $50 donation increment, I will consume 
a spicy piece of food. I, I went and I got some wings. Uh, so I have some wings from Wingstop. Uh, and I have, so I got their hottest one. I got the atomic. Uh, I got the, the mango habanero. Uh, I got the hot lemon. And I got some garlic parmesan, which I know are not spicy, but I have these spice these hot sauces to put on there. Yo, bravado spice is legit. Yeah, the bravado. Uh, let's see, this one has ghost pepper, Carolina Reaper, rice wine, Carolina Reaper, rice wine, rice wine vinegar, uh, aka miso. And I've got this sesame oil. Oh yeah. Oh, see, I didn't go for the last dab. And I've got the last dab, ladies and gentlemen. So Rebecca made a taco lasagna. Uh, which is which is right here. Re- Rebecca made a taco lasagna the other night for dinner, uh, and I'm I'm not gonna do it straight, but I'm gonna mix <laughs> some drops of it into some salsa here <laughs> over the top. So every time Sean Ennis has to take that fifty dollars, every fifty dollars, I am gonna have some last dab salsa on top of my taco lasagna in solidarity yeah. with him. Because you know what? I don't want you to suffer alone, my brother. I love you too I much. I appreciate that. I don't I want you to it. suffer alone. Yeah. I, you know, have you ever had an idea and you think this will be fun? And then as it approaches, you just think, why? What have I gotten myself into? Well, you see the other spice challenges that happen during the event, and you're like, oh, I don't want that. that I, I don't want that at I'm all. And the difference is I'm supposed to keep narrating, you know, as I'm eating these things. Yeah, I don't have to and, do anything. Uh, I can just sit here and, yeah. I know. And I didn't want to do something that was going to incapacitate me because, I, you know, I, we all know at some point you're incapacitated, and I got to be able to do something. So uh, I didn't get last dab. We'll see how it goes this year. You know, I am I, I enjoy spicy foods, right? But I am not one of those guys that's like, you know, I'll eat the the hottest thing that they have at a restaurant and be like, oh, that's not spicy. Right? Don't start. Don't start. Oh, Just give me a second. Oh, it already started. Jared Taylor, $50 donation. Let's get this right, party started. You knew it was going to happen you. this way, Sean. You knew it was going to be this way. I know. All right. And it's every 50 bucks. So, so here's the deal, right? Uh, what we're going to do is now uh, Nick is going to generate a random number for me. I've got um, six things here, six levels of spice. Oh, good grief. And uh, so number one is the garlic palm straight. Oh, come on, man. There's Ashley with another $50 donation. And there's Dan with another $50 donation. We're going to die, Sean. Look, we already hit the goal. All right. We already did it. But we didn't hit we didn't hit the Caleb and Liz read Fifty Shades of Grey goal, which is twenty two thousand. And there, Velvet Drizzle faux shizzle from G Money, Gerald, I love you. Twenty five dollar donation. You know, see, and and I was just gonna say I'll do this before I start the stories. You know, I'll I'll do the three I'll do the three things. Hopefully, only three. And uh, and you're turning off the notifications during, while, I, while I'm doing during the, the thing, stories. Right? Yes, there will be no okay. notifications, so you won't hear so you I, won't hear Sean yeah. blowing it up. So I won't know what's going on. And then when I go to when I go to, when I go to break, that's when I'll figure that out. That means punish so him during the breaks, guys. My best friend. <laughs> what I'm in room in store for. All right, Nick. I need uh, three numbers between one and six, and then that'll tell me what I'm what I'm uh, eating here. All right. I do have the one ringer in there of the the garlic parm wings, which are not spicy. Give me one second. All right. All right. Between one and six. Yep. We have five. Okay. Six. Oh, good Lord. One. Okay. So that means I'm eating three garlic parm wings because I have the garlic parm and I I have the two hot sauces. Uh, The Ghost Reaper is number five and the uh, Ex Horesco is number six, uh, which has something in it that the type is too small and I can't read from that's that's never close it's never good I, i'm getting older you know all right here we go 
I apologize for those that that don't like to hear the eating. I am one of those people. So Here we go. Just know that I am experiencing pain as my penance for making you listen to me eat. And I did get boneless wings because you know I gotta I gotta oh. do stuff with my hands. Oh, right, I so forgot how warm the only time that I look is. Boneless wings. <laughs> oh, I forgot how warm the last dab yeah, is. I'm starting with the with the the regular garlic parm here, and you can see it. I owe two more bites too. I owe two more bites. I at least have Rebecca's taco lasagna to kill it a little bit. That's actually delicious. All right. Mm. Now, I have not opened these sauces. These are... This is the first time I've tried Bravado hot sauces are super flavorful. All right. Their pineapple habanero is legit top tier. Well, I got the hottest one I could find that they make. So... Here we are. I'm going to cut this next wing in half so I'm not sitting here chewing for an hour. All right. Oh. I can't believe you guys did this to me before I even started. All right. Here's the. Oh, man. That was a healthy. Oh, shit. We gotta give the people, you know, gotta give them the money's worth. You know what I mean? Oh, I forgot how much that heat from the last dab just hangs on too. That's hot. Mm. That's hot. Also, one one thing, <laughs> one thing I didn't mention, I don't have milk. I only have water in here. I have water and bourbon. This may. Oh, this is getting worse. This is getting this so much be, worse. Oh God, this I may forgot. Be something I regret. I forgot so much, Sean. You may not have, you may not have, do you have the last dab for everything? I mixed it into the salsa and I poured oh. the whole thing over the taco lasagna, so I'm gonna get it in every bite. Oh my <laughs> I'm not right. doing tears, man. I just wanna suffer with you, brother. Well, you're gonna suffer more than I am, but I gotta talk. Oh man, that's hot. Okay. All right. Oh, I have so many regrets. I have so many Nick, why did you let me do this? Why did you let me do this? Oh, I don't know. Why do I love you this much to suffer with you? I really don't know that one. All right. Ooh. This is this is the next one here Ooh. that I'm doing. Oh, I hate my life. I don't want to tell you about the other stuff, Sean. There's other I've, stuff I've you have to know a, about. Hey, guys, I brought a dog. There's a dog here. Oh, good. Oh, my so that God, way you guys. can be comforted as you eat uh, horrendous, horrendously spicy stuff. All right, I'm very sad. Oh my sad. goodness, I'm very sad. How am I, I say hi, Poppy? Poppy hi, is uh, hi, Poppy. high out of her mind right now. <laughs> hi, Bubby. Oh. Hi. Ashley, I love you, but you did this to me in part, and I'm not happy about it. You'll get over it. I don't know this that dog I dog is the chillest dog right now. I don't this know if I will. Fantastic. All right. Yes. There it is. Get it in, Ennis. I, oh, what Why a, what like this? What <laughs> a, oh, oh! Mistakes were made. I don't want to tell him about the other segment. two guys. I don't want to tell him about the other two yet. I there feel like more? 
Uh, maybe, but I want to wait until after the first story. All right. I don't want to kill you all at once, Ennis. Guys, guys, hey, if you guys can stop donating so I can listen to some Lovecraft stories. That's great. what I want to do. I want to listen to some stories, baby. I, I want some goddamn Lovecraft stories. Let's Keep go. donating, though. Keep donating because we'll catch up to them in the break. We'll catch up to them in the break. Or maybe we won't. I don't know. <laughs> There's no way of knowing. I love you, Sean. Oh. All right. All right. Just, I, I just gotta let me hydrate for a second here. You and me both, brother. I'm gonna turn my microphone down so the floor is yours, and I'll be All back right, at sir. the end of the first story. Okay. All right, here we are. Here we are together, people. I'm gonna turn the lights down, as we usually do, per tradition. All right. I let me let me just point out also on the show, right? I don't eat like for hours beforehand. So this is a whole new experience for me. I practiced these stories. I did not practice them with hot mouth. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, look at that. That's some good swag you got on there. All right. I need one more swig. Oh, oh this is bad. This is bad news. All right. I'm going to pull up the story now, so I am not going to be able to see you guys. All right. The, uh... <laughs> All right. the first story that I have here is called Beyond the Wall of Sleep. And it is, uh, again, by H.P. Lovecraft. This was published first in October 1919 in the amateur publication called Pine Cones. Now, one thing to keep in mind uh, for these stories is if you're not familiar with Lovecraft, he was, uh, obviously, he lived a long time ago, lived in the in the early 20th century, um, and was a, uh, a an avid racist, um, even for the time. So there's, there is some of that in here, not like, you know, not quite so, uh, not, not quite uh, aggressive racism. But there is some there is some uh, uh, some language that we would not use today. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, so just be aware that that's uh, not so much in this story, but in the in the second one. All right, here we go. I'm shaking a little bit. I'm shaking a little bit. Hopefully I can get that calmed down. All right. Beyond the Wall of Sleep by H.P. Lovecraft. I have often wondered if the majority of mankind ever paused to reflect upon the occasionally titanic significance of dreams and of the obscure world to which they belong, whilst the greater number of our nocturnal visions are perhaps no more than faint and fantastic reflections of our waking experiences, Freud to the contrary with his puerile symbolism, there are still a certain remainder whose immundane and ethereal character permits of no ordinary interpretation and whose vaguely exciting and disquieting effect suggests possible minute glimpses into a sphere of mental existence no less important than physical life, yet separated from that life by an all but impassable barrier. From my experience, I cannot doubt that but man, when lost to terrestrial consciousness, is indeed sojourning in another and uncorporeal life of far different nature from the life we know, and of which only the slightest and most indistinct memories linger after waking. From those blurred and fragmentary memories, we may infer much, yet prove little. 
we may guess that in dreams, life, matter, and vitality, as the Earth knows such things, are not necessarily constant, and that time and space do not exist as our waking selves comprehend them. Sometimes I believe that this less material life is our truer life, and that our vain presence on this terraqueous globe is itself the secondary or merely virtual phenomenon. It was, from a very, it was from a youthful reverie filled with the speculations of this sort that I arose one afternoon in the winter of 1900, when to the state of psychopathic institution in which I served was, as an intern was brought the man whose case has ever since haunted me so unceasingly. His name, as given on the records, was Joe Slater, or Slater, and his appearance was that of the typical denizen of the Catskill Mountain region, one of those strange, repellent scions of a primitive colonial peasant stock, whose isolation for nearly three centuries in the hilly fastness uh, of the little traveled countryside had caused them to sink to a kind of barbaric degeneracy rather than advance with their more fortunately placed brethren of the thickly settled districts. Among these odd folk who correspond exactly to the decadent element of white trash in the South, law and morals are non-existent, and their general mental status is probably below that of any other section of the Native American people. Joe Slater, who came to the institution in the vigilant custody of four state policemen and who was described as a highly dangerous character, certainly presented no evidence of his perilous disposition when I first beheld him. Though well above the middle stature and a somewhat brawny frame, he was given an absurd appearance of harmless stupidity by the pale, sleepy blueness of his small, watery eyes, the scantness of his neglected and, over and never shaving growth of yellow beard, and the listless drooping of his he heavy nether lip. His age was unknown, since among his kind neither family records nor permanent family ties exist, but from the baldness of his head in front, and from the decayed condition of his teeth, the head surgeon wrote him down as a man of about forty. From the medical and court documents we learned all that could be gathered of his case. This man, a vagabond, hunter, and trapper, had always been strange in the eyes of his primitive associates. He had habitually slept at night beyond the ordinary time, and upon waking would often talk of unknown things in a manner so bizarre as to inspire fear even in the hearts of an unimaginative, unimaginative populace. Not that his form of language was at all unusual, for he never spoke, save, that, uh, save in the debased patois of his environment. But the tone and tenor of his utterances were of such mysterious wildness that none might listen without apprehension. He himself was generally as terrified and baffled as his auditors and within an hour after awakening would forget all that he had said, or at least all that had caused him to say what he did, relapsing into a bovine, half-amiable normality like that of the other hill-dwellers. As Slater grew older, it appeared, his matutinal aberrations had gradually increased in frequency and violence, till about a month before his arrival at the institution had occurred the shocking tragedy which caused his arrest by the authorities. One day near noon, after a profound sleep begun in a whiskey debauch at about five of the previous afternoon, the man had roused himself most suddenly, with ululations so horrible and unearthly that they brought several neighbors to his cabin, a filthy sty where he dwelt with a family as indescribable as himself. Rushing out into the snow, he had flung his arms aloft and commenced a, <laughs> and commenced a series of leaps directly upward in the air, the while shouting his determination to reach some big, big cabin with brightness in the roof and walls and floor and the loud queer music facts away. As two men of moderate size brought to, sought to restrain him, he had struggled with maniacal force and fury, streaming of his desire to need and need to find and kill a certain thing that shines and shakes and laughs. At length, after temporarily, temporarily filling one of his detainers with a sudden blow, he had flung himself upon the other in a demonic ecstasy of bloodthirstiness, shrieking fiendishly that he would jump high in the air and burn his way through anything that stopped him. 
Family and neighbors had now fled in a panic, and when more, the more courageous of them returned, Slater was gone, leaving behind an unrecognizable pulp-like thing that had been a living man but an hour before. None of the mountaineers had dared to pursue him, and it is likely that they would have welcomed his death from the cold, but when several mornings later they heard his screams from a distant ravine, they realized that he had somehow managed to survive, and that his removal in one way or another would be necessary. Then had... Then they had followed with an armed searching party whose purpose, whatever it may have been originally, became that of a sheriff's posse after one of the seldom popular state troopers had by accident observed, then questioned, and finally joined the seekers. On the third day, Slater was found, unconscious, in the hollow of a tree, and taken to the nearest jail, where alienists from Albany examined him as soon as his senses returned. To them he told a simple story. He had, he said, gone to sleep one afternoon about sundown after drinking much liquor, he had awakened to find himself standing bloody-handed in the snow before his cabin, the mangled corpse of his neighbor, Peter Slater, at his feet. Horrified, he had taken to the woods in a vague effort to escape from the scene of what, he mu of what must have been his crime. Beyond these things, he seemed to know nothing, nor could the expert questioning of his interrogators bring out a single additional fact. That night, Slater slept quietly, and the next morning he wakened with no singular feature save a certain alteration of expression— Dr. Bernard, who had been watching the patient, thought he noticed in the pale blue eyes a certain gleam of peculiar quality, and in the flaccid lips an all but imperceptible tightening, as if of intelligent determination. But when questioned, Slater relapsed into the habitual vacancy of the mountaineer, and only reiterated what he had said on the preceding day. <clears throat> on the third morning occurred the first of the man's mental attacks. After some show of uneasiness and sleep, he burst forth into a frenzy so powerful that the combined efforts of four men were needed to bind him in a straitjacket. The alienists listened with keen attention to his words, since their curiosity had been aroused to a high pitch by the suggestive yet mostly conflicting and incoherent stories of his family and neighbors. Slater raved for upwards of fifteen minutes, babbling in his backwoods dialect of green edifices of light, oceans of space, strange music, and shadowy mountains and valleys. But most of all did he dwell upon the some mysterious blazing entity that shook and laughed and mocked at him. This vast, vague personality seemed to have done him a terrible wrong, and to kill it in triumphant revenge was his paramount desire. In order to reach it, he said he would soar through the abyss of emptiness, burning every obstacle that stood in his way. Thus ran his discourse, until with the greatest suddenness he ceased. The fire of madness died from his eyes and in dull wonder he looked at his questioners and asked why he was bound. Dr. Bernard unbuckled the leather harness and did not restore it till night, when he, when he succeeded in persuading Slater to don it of his own volition for his own good. The man had now admitted that he sometimes talked queerly, though he knew not why. Within a week, two more attacks appeared, but from them the doctors learned little. On the source of Slater's visions, they speculated at length, for since he could neither read nor write, and had apparently never heard a legend or fairy tale, his gorgeous Im imagery was quite inexplicable. That it could not come from any known myth or romance was made especially clear by the fact that the unfortunate lunatic expressed himself only in his simple manner. He raved of things he did not understand and could not interpret, things which he claimed to have experienced but which he could not have learned through any normal or connected narration. The alienists soon agreed that the abnormal dreams were the foundation of the trouble dreams whose vividness could for a time completely dominate the waking mind of this basically inferior man. With due formality, Slater was tried for murder, acquitted on the ground of insanity, and committed to the institution wherein I held so humble a post. All right. I'm, that is the... 
I'm this is the first break. I'm so sorry, Sean. No. We have no. No. not one. No. Not two. Not three. Not four. <laughs> but five donations of $50 during your segment. Thank you, oh. Caleb. Sorry is what Cthulhu would want. Michelle, I'm going to skip my Dante donation this time for some spice. Drew Hallam, Sean, you're my hero. You're my hero too, Sean. Thank you. <laughs> Paul from the countdown, late with my oh. first donation. Won't be the last. Enjoy <laughs> hotness, gents. Uh, he really needs Caleb and Liz to read Fifty Shades next year. And then Wayne Ennis. I don't know if that's Wayne from the countdown co-opting your that's last. That's my dad. Oh, that's your that's dad. That's my dad. That's yes. your dad. $50 <laughs> donation. That's five times we got to eat. No. I'm here with you, brother. I'm here with you. you. Oh, God. I I don't know. I, what? I, here's the thing, right? When we (laughs) talked about this, you told me, you told me that I, that I should go with a higher, a higher number. And I didn't listen. And that's on me. You know, that's on me. I should have gone with, I don't know, a thousand. The chat wants two things. A, erotica. We learned that at the very beginning of the whole live stream for the cure and B to punish people really uh, really badly all right all right nick i'm here with numbers. you brother i'm with you brother give me some numbers how many do i have oh. that was five fifty dollar donations uh since the last time i read them out we're at twenty thousand five twenty five we're already less than 1500 away from the stretch goal that's I'm how like, good we're doing that's how amazing you are I'm like halfway into the segment man all right i need some i need some numbers so i so i know what to eat here oh you need random what from one through six yeah. Oh God. So I'll just omit one number, Sean. <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's just, see. Yeah. Pick one, and then yeah. And then Here I we go. Pick, yeah. Three, four. All right. Five, six, <laughs> two. So everything but one. <laughs> so everything but the non-spicy one. <laughs> I swear to God, random number generator on Google. That's what I'm doing. I I don't. I mistakes were made. That's what I I love you, Sean. All right. I don't even know what I'm doing right now. I like I I I don't know what I got these one. look like. All my salsa again is infused with the last dab. All my salsa. I put yeah. a, a a more than generous amount of this in there, and I think probably by the by the end of the segment, I'll do an extra dab like they do on hot ones, just yeah. because I, why not? Oh man, that's bad. That's not why good. not? I, I I don't know these by sight, so I'm going to try and discern which one is which as I eat them. So here we go. I just started to get used to the burn from the last time. <laughs> Me too. It was just fine. Everything was going fine. I was salivating, but everything was fine. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. I think that's mango habanero. Chat, that's y'all are evil. But we love bad. you. I don't. I'm just kidding. Hey, Nick, remember when I did this last year and almost died with the spicy jerky? <laughs> no, that was I two do years ago, that. G. That was two years ago. I do remember that. Two years ago, yeah. That was a good time. Was it for me? It's that was, less that was good a good time for, for Sean because he didn't have yeah. to do time, it. Time is a concept now. The time time isn't real anymore. We <laughs> we learned that over the past couple of years. Okay, I think I think the one I just had was mango habanero. It was two for me. Judging <coughs> judging by just licking my fingers, I think this is the atomic. Oh my god! Mm. Again, all my salsa, <laughs> all my salsa has the last dab in it. I'm doing the last dab. Mm. Oh, that's the atomic. That does not taste good. Oh, Sean, I love you so much. I have different feelings about myself than you do. 
But yeah, this was your idea. I know. And you you endorsed it. And I blame you and I blame Dan. You both endorsed it. I blame you both. I I still think it's a great idea. I'm glad I'm glad one if, of us if I had spicy things this. right now, I would be doing it with you. However, oh, yeah. I don't. Yeah. So, That's such a uh, such a shame. You're kind such of SOL shame. there, bud. Oh, atomic. Don't get I'll the tell atomic. You listen, listen, listen. Next oh. year when you do this, because obviously you're doing this again next year. Uh if you want to do the, if you want to do the exact same challenge again, I'm down oh. for like actually get like doing a voice acting role because uh, the only voice acting role I've ever done was as an Irishman <laughs> in one of your all the horror episodes, and I felt like I want you to know that took like three hours of preparation listening to the Irish accent and learning how to pronounce things. I th- I tried really hard for that. You did a great job, and now you so, see you see my process. So, so right. right. So I just want you to know that uh, I'd be down if you would have me do a voice acting role in one of your stories. I'm cleaning 100%. my plate. This is the end. This is my last one. I'm cleaning the. I got salsa left on the plate. I'm gonna eat that no, too. That, Don't worry, guys. That makes one of us. I, okay, this I believe is gonna be hot lemon because I think I think unless that last one was hot lemon, the second one was definitely atomic. Yeah, this is hot lemon. Oh, this is so much extra salsa that fell off of this thing, and I'm so scared. <laughs> That's pretty tasty. Now, I realize now that I went about this the wrong way the second time because what I should have done is eaten the hottest ones first, but I didn't know how hot these were going to be. I still have the hottest two left. Oh, man. Okay. Hot lemon. That's tasty, but that's hot. (laughs) Baby. Oh, that extra salsa. That's where it was sitting. Oh, that's where it was sitting. You just went straight. Oh God! Straight salsa. You're a bad man. Oh my goodness. All right, here we go. One more garlic parmesan. If I run out of garlic parmesan, I'll put I'll put hot sauce on the hotter ones. What am I What am I talking about? (laughs) What am I talking about? All right. So if any more, cutting it twice. If any more donations, I turned off donation uh, alerts for now, so we're going to count them after Sean's next story. If any more come in, I'm going to have to eat a donut with the last dab somehow. <laughs> so that, with the, where I broke just there, that's halfway through this one. So I still got half a story left. Ooh. All right, here we go. Oh, I'm going shit. hotter first this time. I still got two garlic farms with this hot sauce. Oh. What, have I, what have I done to myself? What have I done? I love you so much, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There's that's the uh, ex Horesco. I'm sorry, Julio. I don't know how to say that. <sighs> if it's even a word. <sighs> mm. That's so hot. Wait, there's ice I in think... this thing. I need ice. So my watch is telling me. That I'm hitting my activity goals right now because my pulse is high. <laughs> so really, at the end of the day, this is healthy. What I'm doing, it's healthy. Holy shit! Oh, oh. Nick, Nick Haskins, what have you done to me? We get more donations, like in between here, in between here and the end of the story. Uh, I have I made the donuts yesterday on stream for the Nikolai's Kitchen segment. I made a raspberry compote. I will mix hot sauce into that raspberry compote and eat a glazed donut with that. You're making this worse, you know. I please don't. <laughs> we'll just we'll just donate, and you won't have to do that. 
All right. There's more of the. Oh, that's that's too much. But I've already done it. This is very salty, by the way. This miso, it's tasty. I do like salt. It's very salty. Miso salty. That scans. Miso salty. Liz, I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, everyone's and I love fine. You. Everyone's fine here. Everyone's just great. No thanks to you all. Whew. It's just spite. Like it's 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 the heat from the last dab. The the problem is is the last dab tastes really good too, but the heat lingers. It just hangs out on your palate. It does not go away. Uh, FYI, I put up a poll in the chat. Should eat? Should Nick eat the donut with the hot sauce? You all get to choose Nick's fate. I just voted yes on that poll. Just because. You're a glutton for punishment, Nick. We just hit $20,000 for cancer research, baby. Let's go. Oh. I thought that boded well for my segment when I saw everybody blasting up that extra, that last several hundred dollars. Yeah, Ennis was like, oh, I'm f- I've, I've got, I don't have to do anything now. I'm Smooth fine. sailing, baby. <laughs> See, every year, oh, every year I come on here and I read stories, and it's all very nice. I give you a nice break. You know, I don't even, I don't even ask you to do anything in my segment. It's Everybody true. just kind of sits back and listens to a story. It's true. And what have I done this year? I ruined that whole dynamic. Liz doesn't want me to ruin those incredible looking donuts. Um, <laughs> uh, I love you, Liz. I love you so much. But the rest of oh. the people voting disagree with you extremely. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna get. I'm going to get one more sip in here, and then we'll get back to the conclusion of Beyond the Wall of Sleep. I got about... uh... I'm going to go away. The screen is yours, my friend. Thank you. All right. I'm going to go. I think it's got another 10 10 or so minutes, maybe a little bit more. All right. Go to urgent care. You'll be back before he's done. (laughs) All right. Here we go. How's it sound, by the way? Does it sound okay? Can you hear me? Can you hear me salivating? You sound beautiful, my friend. All right. All right. Thank you for building my self-esteem. I feel terrible. All right. Here we go. Here we go. We're reading. We're doing this. Second half of the story. Joe Slayer. What's going to happen? I don't know. Here we go. I have said that I am a constant speculator concerning dream life. And from you, this may judge of the eagerness with which I applied myself to the study of the new patient. As soon as I had fully ascertained the facts of his case, he seemed to sense a certain friendliness in me, born no doubt of the interest I could not conceal in the gentle manner in which I questioned him. Not that he ever recognized me during his attacks when I hung breathlessly upon his chaotic but cosmic word pictures. But he knew me in his quiet hours when he would sit by his barred window weaving baskets of straw and willow and perhaps pining for the mountain freedom he could never again enjoy. His family never called to see him. Probably it had found another temporary head after the manner of decadent mountain folk. By degrees, I commenced to feel an overwhelming wonder at the mad and fantastic conception of of Joe Slater. The man himself was pitiably inferior in mentality and language alike, but his glowing titanic visions, though described in a barbarous, disjointed jargon, were assuredly things which only a superior or even exceptional brain could conceive. 
How, I often ask myself, could the stolid imagination of a Catskill degenerate conjure up sights whose very possession argued a lurking spark of genius? How could any backwoods dullard have gained so much as an idea of those glittering realms of supernal radiance and space about which Slater ranted in his fu furious delirium? More and more I inclined to the belief that in the pitiful, pitiful personality who cringed before me lay the disordered nucleus of something beyond my comprehension. Something infinitely beyond the comprehension of my more experienced but less imaginative medical and scientific colleagues. And yet I could extract nothing definite from the man. The sum of all my investigation was that in uh, that in a kind of semi-corporeal dream life, Slater wandered or floated through the resplendent and prodigious valleys, meadows, gardens, cities, and palaces of light in a region unbounded and unknown to man. That there he was no peasant or degenerate, but a creature of importance and vivid life, moving proudly and dominantly and checked only by a certain deadly <clears throat> enemy who seemed to be a being of visible yet ethereal structure, and who did not appear to be of human shape, since Slater never referred to it as a mat, or as an ought, save, the, save a thing. This thing had done Slater some hideous but unnamed wrong, which the maniac, if maniac he were, yearned to avenge. From the manner in which Slater alluded to their dealings, I judged that he and the luminous thing had met on equal terms, that in his dream existence the man was himself a luminous thing of the same race as his enemy, the impression was sustained by his frequent references of flying through space and burning all that impeded his progress. Burning. Yet these conceptions were formulated in rustic words wholly inadequate to convey them, a circumstance which drove me to the conclusion that if a true dream world indeed existed, oral language was not its medium for the transmission of thought. Could it be that the dream soul inhabiting this inferior body was desperately struggling to speak things which the simple and halting tongue of dullness could not utter? Could it be that I was face to face with intellectual emanations which would explain the mystery if I could but learn to discover and read them? I did not tell the older physicians of these things, for middle age is skeptical, cynical, and disinclined to accept new ideas. Besides, the head of the institution had but lately warned me in his paternal way that I was overworking, that my mind needed a rest. It had long been my belief that human thought consists basically of atomic or molecular motion, convertible into ether waves of radiant energy like heat, light, and electricity. This belief had early led me to contemplate the possibility of telepathy or mental communication by means of suitable apparatus, in, and I had in my college days prepared a set of transmitting and receiving instruments somewhat similar to the cumbrous devices employed in the wireless telegraphy at the crude pre-radio period. These I had tested with a fellow student, but achieving no result had soon packed them away with other scientific odds and ends for possible future use. Now, in my intense desire to probe into the dream life of Joe Slater, I sought these instruments again and spent several days in repairing them for action. When they were complete once more, I missed no opportunity for their trial. At each outburst of Slater's violence, I would fit the transmitter to his forehead and the receiver to my own, constantly making delicate adjustments for various hypothetical wavelengths and intellectual energy. I had but little notion of how the thought impressions would, if successfully conveyed, arouse an intelligent response in my brain but I felt certain that I could detect and interpret them. Accordingly, I continued my experiments, though informing no one of their nature. It was on the 21st of February, 1901, that the thing occurred. As I look back across the years, I realize how unreal it seems, and sometimes wonder if, do if old Dr. Fenton was not right when he charged it all to my excited imagination. I recall that he listened with great kindness and patience when I told him, but afterward gave me a nerve powder and arranged for the half-year's vacation on which I departed the next week. That fateful night I was wildly agitated and perturbed, 
for despite the excellent care he had received, Joe Slater was unmistakably dying. Perhaps it was his mountain freedom that he missed, or perhaps the turmoil in his brain had grown too acute for his rather sluggish physique. But at all events, the flame of vitality flickered low in the decadent body. He was drowsy near the end, and as darkness fell, he dropped off into a troubled sleep. I did not strap on the straitjacket, as was customary when he slept, since I saw that he was too feeble to be dangerous, even if he woke in mental disorder once more before passing away. <clears throat> but I did place upon his head and mine the two ends of my cosmic radio, hoping against hope for a first and last message from the dream world in the brief time remaining. In the cell with us was one nurse, a mediocre fellow who did not understand the purpose of the apparatus or think to inquire into my course. As the hours wore on, I saw his head droop awkwardly in sleep, but I did not disturb him. I myself, lulled by the rhythmical breathing of the healthy and dying man, must have nodded a little later. The sound of weird, lyric melody was what aroused me. Chords, vibrations, and harmonic ecstasies echoed passionately on every hand, while on my ravished sight burst the stupendous spectacle of ultimate beauty. Walls, columns, architraves of living fire blazed effulgently around the spot where I seemed to float in air, extending upwards into an infinitely high, vaulted dome of indescribable splendor. Blending with this display of palatial magnificence, or rather supplanting it at times in kaleidoscopic rotation, were glimpses of wide plains and of graceful valleys, high mountains and inviting grottoes, covered with every lovely attribute of scenery which my delighted eyes could conceive of, yet formed wholly of some glowing, ethereal, plastic entity, which in consistency partook as much of spirit as of matter. As I gazed, I perceived that, I perceived that my own brain held the key to these enchanting metamorphoses, for each vista which appeared to me was one of my changing mind, was the one my changing mind most wished to behold. Amidst this Elysian realm, I dwelt not as a stranger, for each sight and sound was familiar to me, just as it had been for uncounted eons of eternity before, and would likely be for, for eternities to come. Then the resplendent aura of my brother of light drew near and held colloquy with me, with me soul to soul, with silent and perfect interchange of thought. The hour was one of approaching triumph, for was not my fellow being escaping at last from the degrading periodic bondage, escaping forever and preparing to follow the accursed oppressor even into the uttermost fields of ether that upon, upon it might be wrought a flaming cosmic vengeance which would shake the spheres? We floated thus for, thus, uh, for a little time, when I perceived a slight blurring and fading of the objects around us, as though some force were recalling me to earth where I least wished to go. The form near me seemed to feel the change also, for it gradually brought its discourse toward a conclusion, and itself prepared to, prepared to quit quit the scene, fading from my sight at a rate somewhat less rapid than that of the other objects. A few more thoughts were exchanged, and I knew that the Luminous One and I were being recalled to the bondage, though for my brother of light it would be the last time. The sorry planet shell being well nigh spent, in less than an hour my fellow would be free to pursue the oppressor along the Milky Way and past the heather stars to the very confines of infinity. A well-defined shock separates my final impression of the fading scene of light from my sudden and somewhat shamefaced awakening and straightening up in my chair as I saw the dying figure on the couch move hesitantly. Joe Slater was indeed awakening, though probably for the last time. As I looked more closely, I saw that the sallow cheeks shone spots of color which had never before been present. The lips, too, seemed unusual, being tightly compressed, as if by the force of a stronger character than had been Slater's. The whole face finally began to grow tense, and the head turned restlessly with closed eyes. 
I did not rouse the sleeping nurse, but readjusted the slightly disarranged headbands of my telepathic radio, intent to catch any parting message the dreamer might have to deliver. All at once, the head turned sharply in my direction and the eyes fell open, causing me to stare in blank amazement at what I beheld. The man, who had been Joe Slater, the Catskill decadent, was now gazing at me with a pair of luminous, expanding eyes, whose blue seemed subtly to have deepened. Neither mania nor degeneracy was visible in that gaze, and I felt beyond a doubt that I was viewing a face behind which lay an active mind of high order. At this juncture, my brain became aware of a steady external influence operating upon it. It closed my eyes. I closed my eyes to concentrate my thoughts more profoundly and was rewarded by the positive knowledge that my long-sought mental image message had come at last. Each trans transmitted idea formed rapidly in my mind, and though no actual language was employed, my habitual association of conception and expression was so great that I seemed to be, that I seemed to be receiving the message in ordinary English. Joe Slater is dead, came the sole petrifying voice of an agency beyond, from beyond the wall of sleep. My opened eyes sought the couch of pain and curious horror, but the blue eyes still were calmly gazing, and the countenance was still intelligently animated. He is better dead, for he was unfit to bear the active intellect of cosmic entity. His gross body could not undergo the needed adjustments between ethereal life and planet life. He was too much an animal, too little a man. Yet it is through his deficiency that you have come to discover me, for the cosmic and planet souls rightly should never meet. He has been my torment and diurnal prison for forty-two of your terrestrial years. I am an entity like that which you yourself become in the freedom of dreamless sleep. I am your brother of light and have floated with you in the effulgent valleys. It has not permitted me to tell your waking earth self of your real self, but we are all roamers of vast spaces and travelers in many ages. Next year I may dw be dwelling in the Egypt which you call ancient, or in the cruel empire of San Chan, which is to come three thousand years hence. You and I have drifted to the worlds that reel about the red Octurus, and dwelt in the bodies of the insect philosophers that crawl proudly over the fourth moon of Jupiter. How little does the earth self know life and to its extent? How little indeed ought it to know for its own tranquility? Of the oppressor I cannot speak. You on earth have unwittingly felt its distant presence. You who without knowing idly gave the blinking beacon the name of Algol, the demon star. It is to meet and conquer the oppressor that I have vainly striven for eons, held back by bodily encumbrances. Tonight I go as a nemesis bearing just and blazingly cataclysmic vengeance. Watch me in the sky close by the demon star. I cannot speak longer for the body of Joe Slater goes cold and rigid, and the coarse brains are ceasing to vibrate as I wish. You have been my only friend on this planet, the only soul to sense and seek for me within the repellent form which lies on this couch. We shall meet again perhaps in the shining mists of Orion's sword, perhaps on the bleak plateau in prehistoric Asia, perhaps in an unremembered dream tonight, perhaps in some other form, an eon hence, when the solar system shall have been swept away. At this point, the thought waves abruptly ceased, and the pale eyes of the dreamer, or can I say dead man, commenced to, to glaze fishily. In a half-stupor, I crossed to the couch and felt of his wrist, but found it cold, stiff, pulseless. The sallow cheeks paled again, and the thick lips fell open, disclosing the repulsively rotten fangs of the degenerate Joe Slater. 
I shivered, pulled a blanket over the hideous face, and awakened the nurse. Then I left my cell and went silently to my room. I had an instant and unaccountable craving for a sleep whose dreams I should not remember. The climax? What plain tale of science can boast of such a rhetorical effect? I have merely set down certain things to, uh, appealing to me as facts, allowing you to construe them as you will. As I have already admitted, my superior old Dr. Fenton denies the reality of everything I have related. He vows that I was broken down with nervous strain and badly in need of the long vacation on full pay which he so generously gave me. He assures me on his professional honor that Joe Slater was but a low-grade paranoiac whose fantastic notions must have come from the crude hereditary folk tales which circulated in the most decadent of communities. All this he tells me, yet I cannot forget what I saw in the sky in the night after Slater died. Lest you think me a biased witness, another pen must add the final testimony, which may perhaps supply the climax you expect. I will quote the following account, following account of the star, Nova per se, verbatim, from the pages of that eminent astronomical authority, Professor Garrett P. Service. On February 22, 1901, a marvelous new star was discovered by Dr. Anderson of Edinburgh, not very far from Algol. No star had been visible at that point before. Within 24 hours, the stranger had become so bright that it outshone Capella. In a week or two, it had visibly faded. In the course of a few months, it was hardly discernible with the naked eye. Okay. I mean, can I just, uh, first, first things first, uh, before I say anything else about anything else that you and I may have to eat, uh, can I first say, uh, love that season four of Ink and Ash is in production and cannot wait because my God, you transport people like your voice. And I mean, especially here with the lights down and everything, it just, it transports people, uh, oh, you're to, too kind. to, to what you do. You are, you are an amazing, amazing person and what you do is incredible. And I'm saying all this ahead of time, A, because I really love you, but B, because I want to soften the blow. Um, number one, I'm pretty sure this is probably your mom, uh, Devin's $50 <laughs> That's my donation. mom. Uh, both of my parents, both of my, listen, let me tell you something right now, okay? Before today, there is no way that either of my parents ha ha have ever been on Twitch. And now, not only have they gotten on Twitch, but have paid $100. Because there was a chance to punish you. So they jumped at the opportunity. They were like, no matter the technological hurdle, we will we will leap it. Both of them separately, mind you. Separately. And then we also had another $50 donation in there from David Powell, who just said uh, last dab Nick. So that's two $50 donations in there. So you have two snacks, my friend. I did already roll your numbers. Uh, right. Two and five. Two and numbers. five. All right. That's and I, running. so I have... Uh, meanwhile, I did go and get one of the donuts. I made these live on the stream yesterday. <laughs> I made these live yesterday on the stream, and I got I made some raspberry compote on the stream yesterday. I've got to add some last dab into this uh, and get it in there. Um, oh, man. Let me tell you, um, Phil, yeah, Sean Ennis, like, I mean, legitimately, and, and I mean it 100% sincerely, like, transports you, like, all of his readings, and it's the sound effects, and it's the voice effects, and it's all those different kind of affectations that make it uh, brilliant. He's he's an amazing, amazing podcaster. Please subscribe to Ink and Ash, ladies and gentlemen. You will not be disappointed. Someone hit that guest. Oh, Gerald just did. Thank you, Gerald. So, meanwhile, 
Meanwhile, I got a nice, healthy amount of the last dab there, right on the top. What have you done to yourself? I got to mix that in, because we can't just have it sitting on the top there. Oh we got to have gosh. it mixed in. That was so much more than a dab. That was a nick size dab. I'm a big boy. <laughs> I need a big dab. Caleb in the chat is trying to spurn people onto the Fifty Shades reading next year. Arg, I cry as I feel a weird pinching sensation deep inside me as he rips through my virginity. Oh. <laughs> oh. Stu, you love me for this. I don't want to hear it. All right. All right. We're going to go with the whole thing here. So here we go. That's a big amount of the raspberry right there on the side oh of that donut. Gosh. Here we go, baby. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Nick, I, this is admirable. This is very admirable because I would not do this for you. I'm just kidding. I would. But I, but I, I, oh, okay. This is. You're, see, I'm mixing my hot sauce into stuff, though. You're just doing it straight up on top of stuff. So yeah. you're getting it Here a little go. bit more straight this... up than I am. This is the hottest one, I think, between the uh, the miso and the uh, other one. I think this is the hottest between the two of them. Not the it's not the last dab, mind you. I don't know what would happen if I were to do that to myself, but maybe we'll see next year. Maybe we won't. I don't know. There's no way of knowing. Also, can I go. say the next day, even warmed up, these donuts are still absolute fucking incredible. Amazing. I believe that. Mm. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, I love you. Why are we doing this to ourselves? I don't know. Oh. Caleb and Liz are literally just typing fifty shades quotes back and forth to each other in the chat now. That's how <laughs> yeah. that's how much what this is going on here. They are. Oh. Man. Okay, so there we go. The cup is empty. You'll see. Alright. I still got a little on there. I'll get that too. Don't you worry. I did have the foresight of getting myself some ice cream for after this second. You're a bad man. (laughs) You're a bad man. I got to rinse my hand off quick. Yeah. Entertain the people, Sean. Oh, well, folks, I don't know what to tell you at this point. My brain is only functioning partially right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't do well unscripted. Oh, I'm my a narrator. God. Thank you, Gerald. Yeah, Save I'm me. here. I'm here. I'm here. I don't know what I can do for, you guys <laughs> for sure, but I'm here. Sean Ennis, you're amazing. Uh, we only got a few minutes left in your segment before we welcome Paul and Wayne in here. Let's get a hashtag donut hype up in the chat because nick is a crazy bastard uh when it comes to fighting cancer uh, yo i stood I mean, up and that hot sauce all of a sudden was like hey <laughs> i'm still here oh man well folks my time is coming to an end here we're, we're nearing uh 10 o'clock p.m on the east coast it was <sighs> over 90 degrees today here where i live and uh I haven't made myself any cooler tonight. 
I, uh, oh, sorry, I just burped into the mic. So anyway, going forward, you can, you can find the show. Uh, it's called Ink and Ash, Ink and Ash. You can find it on uh, the socials at Ink and Ash Pod. There's three seasons worth of content already published. I've been uh, on a bit of a hiatus for a little while, but season four is in production. I've already got a few in the can. I speak uh, better when I do when I do things pre-recorded and without a mouthful of hot sauce. Are you sweating? I'm sweating. Oh my god! All of a sudden, like I said, I stood up <laughs> and went to wash my hands real quick, and they hit me so hard. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Ennis, Ink and Ash. Uh, I'm if I had to suffer with anybody, brother, I'm glad it was you. Nobody better. Nobody better to suffer with. Oh, my God. Uh, you Seriously, anybody that's not aware of who this brilliant man is and his amazing mm. show, Ink and Ash, please subscribe. Please, please, please subscribe. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're in worse pain than I am, I'm sure. <sighs> and I am in bad enough pain myself. <clears throat> it stays. It, it doesn't stays go anywhere. With you right there. On my lips. My lips. We have one more guest, ladies and gentlemen. The live stream for The Cure is not over yet. G, I'm spotlighting you, too. Bring here we are. It's not over yet. Here. I got to say hello. We have um, two of absolutely my favorite people on the whole planet coming up very, very quickly. Yeah. 20, Paul and Wayne. 625, guys. From the countdown. We're less than 1,400 away from Caleb and Liz reading uh-huh. 50 Shades next year on live stream, which has to happen. And you're already getting a glimpse over in the chat, so if you've been paying attention. <laughs> oh, Joey DiCarlo had it right earlier. Burping's bad. Ooh. It's not good. Mm. It's not good, folks. Mm. I apologize. Mm. Oh. Whew. Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> Problem is, I feel like I got little bits of stuff stuck in my teeth, too. <laughs> Justin Winters, I have transcended Wait. the chip. I am long past the chip, brother. <laughs> We got, I got, I just ate a donut with the last dab. I don't know if you saw it. That was like, what, what year was that winners? Year three? Justin Winters mailed me, uh, the, 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 the hottest chip in the world. The, the, whatever, I forget what it's called. Yeah. The packy, the packy chip. chip challenge. Yeah. The one chip challenge. It is true. I am much, I am much thinner now than I was year three. I was over 400 pounds year three. <laughs> 